Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's that time of the week again. Welcome to the Common Geeky Program. I am your illustrious host, Ryan Mossbarger. Um, if you've never heard of the uh, Common Geeky Program, we are a book club podcast where each episode, three of us, read up on a topic, then discuss it from a maybe geeky, maybe nerdy perspective. This week, we will be discussing the Stranger Things D&D starter set and more specifically how classic brands expand their influence through new brands or new other forms of media. I'm joined by two people, each of whom I have selected to guide us. Some would say Sherpa-like through the jungles of tonight of tonight's topic, and their names are... Hi, I'm Timel, or Chowder, whichever you prefer. And I'll be talking about Batman and all his various, various video games. Particularly Arkham Asylum series, but everything else as well. The Batman Retrospective. <laughs> I would watch that musical. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, oh my god, but... there was like an episode of Batman Beyond where like the new Batman Terry takes old Batman Bruce Wayne to a musical and it's Batman the musical. And ba- I vaguely remember and that. Bru- I love and Batman Bruce Beyond. Wayne just hates it. <laughs> and Terry is just happy. It's, it's great. <laughs> Let's do vaguely remember that from my childhood. Good times. It might still be on Amazon. I'm not sure. But anyway, I am Jonavi, um, and I will be talking about Heather's, the 80s movie, and then also the more recent Heather's, the musical. <laughs> All right. I think this is going to be a really cool little uh, little episode we got cooking here. Um, I'm I'm a huge D&D nerd, so anytime I get to, like, just fucking nerd out over some D&D and people are forced to listen to me and respond is pretty fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's probably sounded a little dark. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should have said this it This is like a, a kidnapping scenario. <laughs> Yeah, people are gonna I, come up like behind me. I'm gonna see them coming in the video camera. Then they're gonna grab me, take me to an undisclosed Pentagon location. location since someone's in Arlington, apparently. Hey, yeah, nobody knows where I live. <laughs> I mean, it could be. The I one may in or Texas. may not live two blocks yeah. away from the Pentagon. That's that secret of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I think in my I wake up in Guantanamo. Years, well. This was bound to happen eventually. That's what war planning really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just people playing D&D. <laughs> In my older years when I am rich and uh, just, just a monster of a human being... I'll probably just like start kidnapping people like black bag style and then, you know, get them in a room with like a flickering light and be like, so what do you guys think about 5e? (laughs) Trust me, there's a right answer. By that point, there'd be like a 10 or something. Uh, You could alternate the D&D with musicals and then eventually compose a musical about kidnapping people to play D&D. So I think we should move on to the summary. Um, I chose this particular version of the starter set for a couple of reasons. One, uh, and I also kind of I wanted to discuss it because I'm a Stranger Things fan. I really, I really like the first and second seasons. I'm pretty pumped for the third season, which is coming out pretty soon. Um, and around the time I thought of this topic, they had just released the first teaser trailer for season three. Um, two, I was curious how it compared to the standard set, um, which I had played previously and has just dropped maybe two, three weeks ago uh, to the sub twenty dollar range. You can easily get it for like nineteen ninety nine 
or below. Um, while the new one is around $25, depending on where you get it. And I was actually, I was also very curious if it was good D&D and it made it easy for people to get into. Because I assumed, probably, hopefully correctly, that this was a starter set for um, people that are more aligned to Stranger Things and maybe doing it kind of on a whim as opposed to maybe people that have pay, played Dungeons & Dragons previously and are looking for to like jump into this current edition. Uh, it definitely seemed like it was branded to attract newer people maybe not necessarily familiar with the franchise um before i answer my own questions with my own thoughts i have some quick info on the set itself i was recent uh, it was recently released in april although it's been teased for a while um i believe it was released in the lead up of season three to kind of like build up a little steam in the in the hype train for uh for stranger things season three it contains uh so just some basic idea of like what the set contains uh, it has two demogorgon figurines um, one painted, one not. Uh, and when I say the one that is painted, I will say it is barely painted. Uh, a full set of dice. <laughs> a scantily clad figurine. <laughs> it's got a little red around the mouth and a little shading. Not that big a difference. Oh my, a new Demogorgon. <laughs> it has a full set of dice and a basic rules booklet, um, a lot of which you can probably get off of offline. I believe it's the uh, the term for it, like the OGL. Like there's an open gaming license with 5e. I believe it's that open, like free version of it. So it's for pretty basic rules. Um, doesn't go into all like the really crazy asinine aspects of 5e and the adventure booklet itself. Uh, it's supposed to be similar uh, to the campaign the kids are playing in Stranger Things, like in that first episode when they're kind of like finishing up. And they um, are and they, super like, hype about about it so yeah super height and he throws the fireball and then they if all have you to have leave. never played that D before then yeah by seeing people that hype i can definitely see why people who have never played before would be intrigued yeah i get pretty fucking hype with dungeons and dragons yeah I get into but it. like if that that was if this was the campaign they were playing i mean it's <laughs> nuts i mean <laughs> like similar to right so it's supposed, yeah, it's to, supposed be to be like similar to yeah supposed to hit some high points but it's also it it doesn't it's i don't think it's super true to what the story they had because they also include some elements from the tv series the big surprise there is like a demogorgon somewhere in there and they kind of like really weave that through there um but yeah so it's it's i would say it's lightly based maybe influenced by um the pre-made characters uh given are supposed to be the characters kid the kids in the story play um but like those characters have have no flavoring this is like Chicken. Very little flavoring. The, this is chicken without the seasoning, my friend. Like, it's just the class, what items they have, their abilities. It's like, it doesn't have, like, what's their personality? What is their backstory? Mm. The the things that make a character fun. Yeah. So, yeah, talking a little bit about that, I am curious whether that is a feature or a flaw. Maybe they made it so milk toast so people could kind of breathe into the character instead of being forced into a role. It, I mean, uh, I, I get it, that. It I mean, it's. Uh, it's D and D. You're supposed to, you know, role play, but like, but like, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how much this was a Stranger Things campaign versus a trying to get people into D and D campaign. I'm, I'm gonna be real. Yeah. If that Stranger Things logo wasn't in the top left corner. I wouldn't have known this any was, clue. I well, wouldn't have known. So full disclosure, we played. We played about halfway through, right before it gets more Stranger Thingsy. So depending, I mean, and I will say the Stranger Thingy part, uh, the Stranger Things part, is a little more shoehorned than I would have liked. Um, not to break too much, and if you want to play this at some point in the future, uh, full on spoiler alert. Basically, they go through a very normal D and D campaign. Uh, uh, well, I wouldn't even say campaign mission, and they get to a certain point point um 
and then they kind of just zoom into the after dark i think there's like a portal or there's a certain plant that opens up and takes you guys there you you appear there and then a random npc is like hey if you guys want to get out of here you gotta go kill a demogorgon and you gotta get its blood and you gotta pour it on a flower and then after that you'll appear next to the thessal hydra um so it's a real so that's it basically you find a demogorgon and then you kill it and then you take its blood and then you put it on a flower and then you appear before the thessal hydra or like in its cave so it wasn't super intricate journey through stranger things lore so yeah it's it was more uh, like do you want to do what the kids were doing yeah and if you already know DD, you're like oh yeah i feel that i know what the kids are doing but if you don't and you're just kind of like huh maybe that'd be fun um it does kind of some of the legwork for you so that you don't have to try that hard to play some DD. yeah and like, <laughs> I, and I back on it, but I understand it is for beginners, people who have never played D&D. But my thing is, the starter set does a way better job than this. It does. The Lost Man's, uh, the Lost Minds of Fandelver is an amazing intro adventure. Yeah, in word. It's it starts out small and then it builds up slowly in a way that it's easy for both the player and the, like a new dungeon master to kind of like broach outwards it's but it's also fun enough for like an experienced player to like be in there so like yeah there's you can have an experienced player and newcomers in the minds of Fandelver and it it works it works really well yeah you can you can really chew through that adventure so that kind of leads to my point overall I found uh so to talk about the adventure itself it's supposed to be like modeled off of Mike's like little notebook that he's been writing in it even has like little uh notes that are supposed to be from Mike while he's writing it to like how he was thinking about running the adventure during the show um it's cutesy but overall I and I kind of found it kind of cool but overall I found the adventure a little sparse I tried to run it as as much as I could and I found myself just inadvertently filling in gaps or creating a situation that seemed more natural um, maybe could have the... been done better then is what I'm hearing from you guys yeah like yeah, it's, thing it's is, one of those weird yeah. things I keep on coming back to is it a flaw or is it a feature is it made that way so your imagination fills the holes or is it literally like a flaw like they just thought like let's make this very bare bones let's not confuse some of the because I mean I'm also thinking it from a person that's been playing this stuff for years I've been DMing for a long time my mind like just seeks to fill out the possibility of a situation in a certain way because i play so much yeah no like uh when i was playing my character uh i ended up just having to like entertain myself by pretending to be a wizard cop (laughs) wizard cop (laughs) but from what you said about there not being really a good integration of stranger things elements into the rest of the campaign just yeah. sort of more speaks to like, okay, let's slap something together and try to sell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I don't know what else people are getting from it because if you're going for it, because it's like, Ooh, stranger things. Um, then yeah. you'll probably be like, huh, that wasn't a ton of stranger things, but I was kind of introduced to this new format of interacting with my friends. Um, and then if you came into it with just like, oh, well, I heard Stranger Things put out a D&D campaign. Let's see what that's about. You'll just kind of be like, uh, I don't care. And, so, yeah. and, and, the, and the funny irony is uh, D&D, or not D&D, uh, Stranger Things would make for a really good Call of Cthulhu campaign, man. 
That is true. Yeah, that would make a really good one. It is right up. It's. I mean, maybe a little less depressing. They'd have to spruce it up a little bit and maybe change how much you would die and how much how hard it is Netflix to win. Netflix writing but... team, call us. Yeah, yeah. There, there are how there are rules you can like implement in Call of Cthulhu to make it more uh, friendly. Yeah, yeah, more more user friendly. Maybe an easy mode. Uh, and and by friendly, I mean just paint a sm- paint a sun and a flower and a smiley face <laughs> onto. H.P. Lovecraft, exactly. you know? Or it could be, or or you could call it Call of the 80s. <laughs> there is actually, the it was, there was a crowdfunded, uh, I believe it's like something in lasers, uh, but there was a crowdfunded 80s D&D like supplement. It was its own like <laughs> world that they were making. There was like laser God cats damn. and all this other stuff. Okay. I thought really hard about buying into it, but then I was like, I'll never end up, I will never be able to get anybody to play with it. <laughs> Um, that's yeah, how I feel back, but about everything but broadening out what we were talking about before I yeah I 100% agree I this is no Lost Minds of Fandelver which like I said before really expansive really detailed you can ignore what you want to ignore you can embrace what you want to embrace you can fill in the gaps in certain places and expand if your characters go another way more thoughtful one, overall more thoughtful this one is super sparse uh, we played for about two hours and we got through probably most of it and the only reason that it took us that long was because i was filling in some gaps i was kind of doing up some characters a little bit i was adding some things on the road to make it more natural and to do that i kind of had to explain myself and go there if, if somebody was really running this bare bones and doing it as written it could go really quick really really quick um i think it still maintains a lot of places for winging it, which i think is a good thing i think one of the first things that a dungeon master and a player needs to get used to especially if they're coming from just playing board games to playing D&D is knowing that the rules and the situations that you're placed in are very flexible and I think this set illustrates that pretty well on both sides it's very open I think in the fact that it doesn't give a lot of detail so it doesn't give the person running it any kind of both in a good and a bad way any like really firm ground to stand on they need to be flexible to run this campaign otherwise they're just going to get asked a bunch of questions and I feel like they're going to do homework as well like if you're asked a bunch of questions about what things look like or what the place is or who these people are or what their intentions are and you haven't read it and done any homework you're going to get kind of behind and you're going to have to make up some stuff on the fly and then you're going to have a bunch of things that maybe collide into each other later that don't make sense. So I think it's, for that reason, it's kind of a good starter. It gets you early into the fact that, like, yeah, you got to do your homework. It does take a lot of work to get things started. But also, if, if you are keep things simple enough, you can can kind of not do so much work and just let the story tell itself. Um, so and it's all right. Um, I guess the... The box is fine. Uh, the figurines are pretty basic. Um, I didn't think they were that great. I mean, but then again, most figurines are unpainted unless you paint them yourself. And if they are painted, they're painted pretty crappily. Um, the dice are the same that come with the regular starter dice. So, like, fine dice. I think overall, after playing with the set and reading it, I think it's all right. But the basic now is cheaper by about, like, five, six bucks. And overall, I think a better experience. Um, but the real issue I wanted to dig into is that this isn't a product review. It's about Hasbro slash Wizards of the Coast, utilizing a very popular brand to expand their base. And I think this hits the nail on the head, especially for people who have never thought they would play until they saw its recent resurgence recently with a lot of stuff in media, you know, um, 
in the show itself, Stranger Things. And then very recently, the Critical Role got like 10 plus million dollars on a, on, a, on a Kickstarter that was all over the news, all over Facebook for a while. Yeah, and uh, I think a big part of uh, D&D's resurgence is 5e is really easy to get into. There aren't exactly nearly as many complicated like things to get stuck in as yeah. uh, 3.5 or 4. Yeah, somebody that, 4 was yeah. awful. I, there, there, there are things I like about that I like to implement in my campaigns. Skill challenges are amazing, yeah. but beyond that. But, like, aside from those, like, aside from, like, bits and pieces, overall, 4 was very video gamey. Yeah, very video gamey. I, I've heard that they tried to model it a little bit after, um, like, war game simulations. Oh, they, they got a little... Warhammery is from what I've heard. I've never played Warhammer because it's too expensive to play, but it was too much. It got too tactical for its own good, and, and because of that, it got very complicated. Um, so I think it hits the nail on the head, and until I, I think D and D is a real success story for this sort of thing. Um, for an older media brand to resurge through new forms of media. They were super early adopters of things like Twitch streaming and um, YouTube channels and all this stuff. They were very, I've heard on the other end of it, if you do get a certain level of popularity, it was probably easier before a few years ago, but they would be very supportive. They would invite you to official events. They would have, they would give you uh, advanced information so you could hype their products. They would give you testers and they would ask you to play test. Um, so, I think I think it profits a little bit from both ways. So D and D feeding into the community gets the community a little bit more amped up, spreads it out a little bit wider. Uh, them like full like full on involved in the community helps it spread out a lot quicker than if they were just like oh just do whatever you want leave us out of it and then they get back from that the the community is very active and they get this you know it builds up this cycle of one feeding into the other and i i think it's a really smart move that wizard of the coast uh not only has like let these things happen but has, has been an active force in kind of pushing some of these things along i mean if you look at like critical role or um uh, was it like the pax people uh it's they're full heartedly into it um and they guest star on some of these shows and they're all about sharing information with them and having those people share information with them back and play test it i think it's a really great move on their end for a relatively small media brand to really make a huge carve out of the cultural zeitgeist as we currently have it um even though they're maybe a million dollar company netflix obviously is a billionaire a billion dollar company but i mean stranger things is something made by a billion dollar company that has brought a lot of focus on a much smaller company at least in part that's yeah i think that's that's all for my discussion and i i really want to carve into your guys's domains and really talk this stuff out i i don't know much about both of your guys's domains so i'm excited to learn a little bit more let's talk about everything right now oh, let's do it all right i believe chowder you're first so let's 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 do let's dig in this bad boy you so you talking you're talking about every about batman, batman video game <laughs> batman video game <laughs> no like uh well we all know who Batman is, you know, Bruce Wayne. Parents, Please explain. Parents shot. Explain his backstory in in. Wait, in wait, wait, detail. wait, wait. Bruce Wayne is Batman? Yeah, I know. Big shocker. Uh, what? Caught me off guard, too, you know? But one's a billionaire playboy, and the other one's a superhero that just spends all night solving crimes. But how does that... How, how can he do both? Uh, I don't know, man. Like... He don't sleep. Like, he, he never struck me as the kind of guy to, like, uh, risk his life to fight crime you know he always just seemed like a rich 
rich air, man, you know? So you're saying that maybe it's more about a rich man beating up the mentally handicapped than in about any kind of g- glory or, or helping people. And you yeah. too can do this vicariously by playing video games. Yeah, you know, it's just a rich man beating up the poor. That's my favorite, uh, like, uh, like taking a part of the series. If you really think about Batman, it's just a privileged male beating up the mentally insane. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the mentally handicapped. <laughs> don't forget the tights. I feel like the tights are pretty important to unpacking <laughs> the right, overall yeah. psychology of Batman. <laughs> Getting all dressed up in something tight and then beaten on the less fortunate. Like uh, um, like, like a furry, furry with a BDSM fetish. It's going out into the night, beating up the mentally ill and the impoverished. Uh... All while flirting with a do- with several dominatrixes, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, got to do what you got to do. The the night is long and full of terrors. And the police are his friend eventually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the police are are friends to every rich white dude. That's that that, that that's not new. That's yeah, not I know, new. but they had to confirm that he was a rich white dude first. <laughs> they so get a close look first. They were like, okay, we're pretty sure that you're fine, so we're gonna go ahead and. <laughs> <laughs> like like the per- the like the period where the police were like we have to take down this vigilante. It's because they saw the suit and it's like the suit's black. We have to take it down. Oh wait wait, I just saw like the face part under the mask. It- he's a white dude. It's okay. It's fine. Controversy alert. Common geeking program takes no stances on such hot button political issues. <laughs> Have you listened to these episodes, my friend? Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we've gone off topic. Let's talk, uh... let's talk about Batman's foray to the Vidya games, you know? So, no, that, that part is interesting because for much of the, his early video gaming career, it's all been like beat-em-ups and platformers and platforming beat-em-ups. Like, Batman was a fucking scrub. In, uh, <laughs> on the NES, we had the Sunsoft. Uh, Batman game made to tie in with the Tim Burton Batman movie. It's really good. It's got great controls. It's fucking hard as hell. Like it, it, it is the definition of that like Nintendo kick your ass, unforgiving kind of kind of game. Like old school stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a good game, but like if you like reskinned everything and into like Ninja Gaiden, you what? It, nothing would really change. It's it's very much like a. a like a old school platformer with a Batman skin on it. Yeah, I remember playing like Ninja Gaiden on the Super, actually on the original Nintendo. It was soups tough. Yeah, and there and like there's plenty of examples like that. Like uh, Batman, Batman Returns for the Super Nintendo. It was a beat 'em up. It's basically Final Fight for but with a Batman skin. Uh, the, the New Adventures of Batman and Robin. Good game, but again, it, none of these games really ever made you feel like Batman is what I'm trying to get at here. Okay, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But, but like, cut to many years later, and we have Batman Arkham Asylum on the PS3 and 360, and I'm sure it was later ported to other systems, but, uh, yeah, and... Just getting more direct about beating up the mentally hand- handicapped thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, totally. Yeah. You are in an asylum, and you are beating up the inmates there, so... That you have already put there. The... So. <laughs> yes. They gotta learn. <laughs> are you ready for your bat-beating therapy? <laughs> but but the cool thing about Arkham Asylum is it's a game that really makes you feel like Batman because like you're because the game is very much about not about so much aggressive 
attacking as it is about parrying, uh, crowd control, and that kind of stuff. But li- And, like, the second someone has a gun, uh, you have to do, like, hit-and-run tactics where you're, like, jumping or sneaking around and, like, uh, attacking from the shadows and then vanishing as quickly. And which which are all things that Batman does. Batman's all about stealth and staying in the shadows and, like, uh, being a real creepy guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. You know, you can you can scare them easily. Uh, that's another mechanic in Batman Ark Asylum. You can, like, scare, scare all the criminals and... Like, have them act erratically. That's my favorite Batman mechanic. Not necessarily in the game, but just of, like, surprise Batman hiding somewhere, (laughs) seeing what you're doing. Surprise! This man in black leather tights, who is also a furry. I punch, I punch, I kick. Terrifying (laughs) as shit. I mean, I I think that that is very scary, so... And then every other, like, insane villain was just like, ooh, finally someone to cosplay with. And then... (laughs) Somebody that fucking gets me. Yeah. And I think... I think this is a lot more revealing than maybe I thought it would be. (laughs) But do continue. Uh... And like the story is very, very much feels like something you'd see in a in a Batman story. Jo- Joker has let loose the criminals of Arkham Asylum, and it's now up to Batman to save everybody, or save everybody, and also make sure Joker gets beaten up and he- get Arkham Asylum under control. And there's a lot of yeah, the Joker's been a bad boy, and he needs a spanking. I uh, I have opened a Pandora's box. <laughs> I'm gonna cry myself to sleep tonight. (laughs) And like, whenever there's a boss fight, it's very, it's very like faithful to how Batman would deal with those bosses. Scarecrow? Oh, he is going through a fucked up hallucination involving his dead parents and like, he's going, he's going around a maze platformy thingy where Scarecrow's gas Scarecrow is like looking around because Scarecrow is now a giant because of his gas it's great or like when he's going up against Killer Croc it's uh more about just running away and just luring him to like a, a pl- like a place where you like set up a bomb to like uh drop him so somewhere overall like the style of the game is just more true to like various things we know about the characters which makes it more fun to play yeah exactly yeah. exactly and uh the sad thing is like as like they continued making sequels to Arkham Asylum like Arkham City and uh or the other Yeah, there's a third one I'm blanking on. Uh, yeah. But but you get the idea. Uh, Arkham Dystopia, everyone's mentally ill now. <laughs> uh I feel like they lost what made Arkham Asylum so special cuz they like wanted to make it bigger and more spectacular so they do do things like now it's open world and you're running around a city and you're Beating up dudes with, like, increasingly more powerful weaponry, even though part of what made Arkham Asylum so good was how it depowered you. Uh, and also you are in the Batmobile, and the Batmobile has guns and rocket launchers. Hell yeah. And, Fuck shit. Oh, Arkham Knight. I remember the name. Arkham, Arkham Knight, Knight, yeah. that's And there was one after that, too, I forget. I just remember that you really get all the guns in Arkham Knight, I think. Yeah. It's like, literally, you're driving around in a tank. Yeah, pretty Pretty much, the Batmobile is a tank in this, and it's and it loses a lot of what makes Arkham Asylum so good. Batmany, <laughs> yeah. So so like Batmany's such a well told story, such a uh, proper uh, proper Batman game as as it 
was. Uh, and then there was the Telltale Batman in game, which I don't think really worked because Telltale games are about, hey, you you get to make choices and it affects people. But like Batman is an established character with a very strict code of ethics. Like what they be he's ethics not a, He's not a malleable character. Like like he like you you're never gonna be like kill this guy or don't kill this guy. Don't kill this guy. Batman doesn't kill. Oh, he's gonna be not killed. Yeah, it was more like. Are you going to tell somebody the slightly meaner thing? <laughs> I played a little bit of it. It's basically that. Or are you going to be an basically you're going to be like a rich snob or a slightly less snobby rich snob. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe if they like gave you the choice to be like the choice between being the Adam West Batman or like just a fucking goofy the, motherfucker. The Frank Yo, Miller Batman. If they, if they let you like character select like which Batman from the history of Batman you wanted to be. That would be pretty be incredible wild. actually. <laughs> would be wild. That would but, be literally I don't know. Yeah. Be pretty great. It could also be like a shit post of a game, but at that point I wouldn't matter. I wouldn't care. It'd still be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just latex nipples as far as the eye can see. And of course, um, Batman has always had a... Maybe that could be the title of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and Batman has always had a history of, like, expanding into newer mediums. The Adam West TV show was very much the thing that saved the Batman comics from obscurity. Uh, and uh, the Batman, the animated series, um, brought Batman back to being the Dark Avenger that he... that. Uh, he normally is and and so on and so forth yeah i think the cartoon series is like i I mean i remember watching when i was a kid it was like one of the first real introductions to the character that was really fun you didn't have to know any of the backstory all those episodes were like Mm self-contained and they really showed off the character well if you went from watching that show to maybe to reading some of the some of the books it would basically be one-to-one you wouldn't be that big of a crossover yeah and, uh, and like the thing is, uh, uh, oh, geez, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but the thing, the thing about Bat- the Batman comics is they don't actually sell that well, surprisingly enough. Like, you want to know what the best selling superhero comic is? It's, tell me, it's My Hero Academia, a manga. Really? Yeah, yeah, no, really. That's, that's crazy. I never would have thought that. No, like, Marvel and DC comics sell notoriously badly. The only reason they exist. Are I are as IP houses? Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess maybe worldwide that makes sense. Is that a worldwide number or an America? Like just in America or North America? Worldwide and America and North wow, America. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, I wouldn't have thought that. That that is interesting. And then I don't know. It kind of makes me think about like like ba- Batman. Batman is a series that thrives on other media's that aren't comics. If he sucked a comic, he he would have he would have been gone a long ass time ago. Yeah, it, it makes me wish that some of the like Marvel DC trademark characters would be in a little bit more dialogue with our friends across the ocean. <laughs> um, because there are some, there is some like very interesting stuff being done with superheroes and superhero arcs and various things. So, I mean, I guess I understand the need to brand and universe the shit out of everything, but yeah, <laughs> just eh. given given that, mm, mm. that um, it seems maybe like an underutilized opportunity. Yeah. So I've, so I've been rambling for a long time about the Dark Knight, the Dark Undies, as, as it were. 
Uh, I guess the thing I want to leave you with is Batman is a series that's always been expanding into new medium and video games is his late latest one and it's interesting how like adapting Batman into a video game has been such a difficult task because video games are about living the experience while Batman originates from more traditional media and also I just want an excuse to talk about how awesome Arkham Asylum is because I really like that game. Any chance you get, just like me, any Thanks chance I get to talk about D&D, any chance you get to talk about <laughs> Jonathan, let's, let's, let's get out of here, bad boy. What's about? I recently saw a, I guess not that recently anymore, but <laughs> I saw a production of Heather's The Musical. Um, and then I was so very interested um, that it was then that I went and watched the original 80s cult movie Heathers, which various people have been telling me to watch for years that I just never did. Because you know how sometimes the more people tell you to do something, the more you're like, nah. Know that feeling uh, so well. I, I have that ex- same experience with Game of Thrones. Like, I watched the first couple of seasons, but, like, there's so much to, like... They stay on top of that. It's like I don't feel like doing it. It is no matter a little how bit of work. much. And like with how the with the way everyone's been uh, reacting to the finale, I think I'll just wait for Game of Thrones Brotherhood. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, I did I did see the musical before I saw the movie. Um, I have some thoughts about both of them, but I was interested in sort of like talking about and comparing Heather's the movie and Heather's the musical. Just because I think that musical theater has gotten kind of a little bit of a revival in recent times. Um, I think more people have a general awareness about various things that musical theater has to offer. It is no longer as like niche, perhaps, of an interest as it may have been in the 80s when Heather's the um, the movie the was a thing. And dialogue around some of the themes that Heather's deals with has also changed radically um because you have like school shootings and stuff like that being discussed very differently um and in christian Heather's... slater being discussed very differently than he currently is. <laughs> <laughs> and um things like how high school dynamics work has changed and just trying to preserve the 80s-ness of it while still making it uh, musical drama ready, has been like I don't know. There are a couple, there are a few key changes that were that were made, sort of between the two. But to summarize the overall story, we have our um, main character Veronica, who is um, part of this um, sort of queen bee group called the Heather's, and they're all named Heather. Um, and she sort of gets into a little bit of an altercation at a party and like gets ousted from the group um and then she's just like uh kind of sort of by accident ends up murdering one of them with her new psycho boyfriend and like the reactions of the people around her are very different and then her boyfriend's like see we made the world a better place by like murdering people (laughs) Um, and so it sort of goes down that unexpected teen comedy route of just murder. And as one does. And uh that's kind of what made the story a, a cult classic in the first place. Of um it's kind of like a murder god complex thing and then a coming of age story 
and then also a high school slash society is shitty story. Name of my all ska kind of band, into this Murder God the, Complex. <laughs> <laughs> Called all it. sort of rolled into this like very sort of like satire, um, not taking itself that seriously, but still dealing with some serious things kind of movie. Um, and then the musical, in my opinion, tonally is a bit more serious. Um, it's almost like a a like Faust parallel of like, oh, the beginning of that one, like Veronica wasn't that popular and she like sold her soul or like sold out her friend to like get in and then was gotten and then and then got out and then like all this stuff happened. And then it was it was just a little bit more emotional um as a as a story. And it did have some banging musical numbers. Um it did preserve some of the comedy, um, but it was not as it was not really so much satire, I think, as the first one was. Okay. I'm not gonna really say that I liked one better than the other or anything like that. But I'm just interested in how um like movie to musical transitions sometimes work, sometimes don't. And also on how we've started to view these kinds of like coming of age high school stories and the fact that they're supposed to have more of a message than like you know what maybe don't kill your friends um <laughs> so yeah I, I guess that's that's about my piece jeez man i'm just uh I'm, oh boy so how how long are these oh my lord that that we we have been on this first part for a long time i would we've been a chitty chatting we can probably cut out some of the some of the first part (laughs) i think we're we're probably over by about 10 minutes but that's fine like honestly as long as we have a good discussion who cares it's it's all good baby the editors care (laughs) the editors care a lot (laughs) Well, uh, whoever the editor is, I hope he doesn't uh, accidentally kill us. Yeah. Don't pull a Heather's on us? (laughs) Don't get Christian Slater to murder himself and blow us all up? Wait, it's Christian Slater that blows himself up, right? Am I misremembering Don't put us in an asylum and then come back and beat us up. While dressed up as a dominatrix furry. While playing Well, if they D&D. care so much, they should be dressing up. So, <laughs> right. that's what I have to say about that. Well, before we get carried away too much, let's move this bad boy to right. El Discusión. Por favor. Alright, just how... Reading the Heather's Wikipedia, Christian Slater, also known as Jason J.D. Dean, blew himself up with a bomb strapped to his chest. We're about to blow up this discussion with some, with, some, with, a, with a real, with, with, I guess with a and ai don't know how to pump up a and a anymore than that. I'm going to ask you guys questions and you're going to answer me. I guess I would like, I would like for it to be on record that I take no part in any kind of blowing up of any kind. For the record, I, I was meaning a more of a metaphorical blow up, just as in Heather's, the boyfriend blows himself up for some reason. I can't remember. I just remember Christian Slater with a bomb on his chest and then they're not being a Christian Slater anymore. Um, just like she's more of a pain metaphor than a character, yeah. but whatever. Just as just as Christian Slater disappeared into a pink mist, we will reappear as a bunch of question askers. Um, so... Um, <laughs> Um, I think I think the first question is pretty obvious one. Uh, we talked a little bit about your guys how what you guys thought of the um, the starter pack. Um, if you kind of maybe pretty quick answer, not necessarily too long winded. Um, what are your just like thoughts on it, just generally speaking, about the starter set that we played? I mean, I think 
our listeners kind of know how I feel from the summary section, but I think it's kind of dull and kind of lifeless because it very much feels like they just slapped the Stranger Things name on that and just uh, shipped it out because it... it really is not that good of a campaign, I feel. Uh, I feel like I had to make my own fun in order to, for it to be enjoyable. Like, the people I was with was making that campaign fun, yeah. not so much the campaign itself. John, I mean, I know it's, I think, was this your first time playing D&D? Uh, yeah, I would say it was my first time playing, like, official D&D. But I have played, like, similar role-play okay. games So before. what was your uh, what was your take on it? Did you like it? I... I thought it was fine. I mean, like, I liked playing it, but I, um, if it was supposed to sort of enhance my enjoyment of both Stranger Things and D&D, it did really neither. (laughs) Um, and if it was supposed to, like, get me hype for more Stranger Things coming out, it didn't do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, to, so I mean I, I would say that it's fine Yeah. to be fair it, yeah. uh, we didn't get to the Stranger Things part so I mean maybe if we had finished it y'all have been like super duper hyped on it but I I do think that the beginning is probably I mean we played about from one third to a half and it was kind of slow going Um, but playing it playing D&D now in that in that little session do you think you are more likely to either say yes to another D game or maybe try and find another D game on your own um no but only because i'm very lazy about media and i kind of have to be dragged into things oh, okay. to do them. <laughs> so like if people were like hey Jonavi, be part of our D campaign i'd be like okay maybe okay. if it's like fits within my t- allotted entertainment time commitment yeah, I, was mo- I think i was most curious about your take on it because you were the the kind of the, this this was a set kind of mm-hmm. made for a something that's never played before and you're the only yeah, person that's like, ever played. i definitely see why it's like a fun activity um and like i i think insofar that it was supposed to f- facilitate like an enjoyable activity like yeah like i had i was engaged while we were playing mm-hmm. it um but i i'm trying to evaluate it kind of from like uh like a storytelling setup scenario and also like a how well did this market either of these things and sort of in the world of stranger things i think DD is supposed to in addition to being the foreshadowing um it sort of also seems to serve the role of like cultural shorthand for like the kinds of lives that these children lead yeah cultural shorthand for nerd it's easy way to see those characters as nerds right it's their clip of uh homer simpson going (laughs) (laughs) pretty much so and i don't think that's really how dnd is now um so that that was a little bit like odd to me of like unless the thing was gonna have and I know that you said that there's some more Stranger Things-ish stuff happening later. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know. I I have mixed thoughts about it as far as like a thing that was put out. But I mean, as far as like, would I play more in D? I'm like, yeah, I'd probably play more in D&D if there were like animated people who wanted to play it. Okay, yeah, I, I do think a little bit of the... Uh... It... I think a little because it wasn't necessarily the perfect medium. We were doing it over like a Skype call, and I think especially for new mm-hmm. people playing, it is tough to kind of get into it over over like Skype without all the visual aids and like being in the room with people. So I think 
Yeah. I think maybe in a perfect scenario, you have some fresh players, an experienced dungeon master who can kind of read between the lines and like make things interesting for some of the players that maybe are a little bit more imaginative as opposed to people that are just going to want to go through the story. I think it could, I think I could scratch that itch and it would definitely be something there since it is so sparse, you'd probably finish that in a night or two. You would definitely have to either make up your own story or buy some more uh, Wizards of the Coast product, which is probably one another good reason why they put it out there. Yes. So, but the thing is the fact that you have to work so hard to get that experience whereas something like mind defend elver it, it everything doesn't the stars don't have to align like you can have say an inexperienced dm and still have fun yeah minds of Elver. maybe a perfect like double blind study of this would if i mean if we had infinite time would have been to do like <laughs> this one and then minds of Elver. but considering how <laughs> catastrophic our I scheduling mean, process has been <laughs> do you know how well that this even sold like how many Oh, like, I don't know. I would assume. Are, are there people talking about this? Uh, yeah, I saw like, are, like, when it first came out around April. I saw a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I saw stuff on Vox. I saw stuff on Polygon. I saw stuff on Gizmodo. I would assume it was. It probably sold really well. Um, so, like, even as far as just seeing the name, like the names, Stranger Things and D and D together, probably does mutually beneficial things to both yeah it's definitely yeah. a symbiotic relationship for, both. for sure yeah also i find it not really a complaint or anything just the observation i find it kind of weird that like we're playing like this stranger things uh campaign in 5e but like the kids in the show would probably have been playing third edition no probably second edition second yeah it would have been second edition one and a yeah. half yeah the second went from it's- like the late oh like early 80s all the way to the 90s and the 90s it was third like late 90s is it any easier or harder than the 5e one way harder and also first and second edition are like a completely different or feel very very different like let me put it like this elf and dwarf are classes yeah not races there aren't any races in 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 first and second uh speaking of which if you guys want to play some like first and second edition like i got a bunch of books that i'm staring at right now first and second uh, edition we could we, we only got, you gonna do it so <laughs> <All right>. yeah <laughs> I, 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 you know what i'd be kind of curious i've never really sat or gotten to play like the first or second edition i will say the coolest be- ones i had were also the most racially insensitive probably and i sold them already so <laughs> they were called <laughs> oriental adventures if that flavored it any <laughs> flavored the- Ooh, yikes that is a yikes from uh, me man flavors that with that ramen seasoning yeah. <laughs> some of the depictions on some of the covers so... could be said uh, as questionable at best <laughs> Much like the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so they were probably just being like, okay, like, let's make this the, would you say that 5e is the most mainstream of the D&D editions? Probably. Oh, most definitely. It's the easiest one so, to start and to play by far. Yeah. So this was, th- this was then constructed with some strategy, um, but it just remains to be seen as to like, how big of a role did this play in people being hyped about these things? And then also how good it was, was it? It'll it'll be one of those things, maybe like six months from now, somebody on like Gizmodo or Vox or something like that will do a piece on it and they'll maybe, maybe they'll get some hard numbers somewhere about it. Like, oh, I've heard recently from like six or seven different friends they started playing D&D because of this and blah, blah, blah. And I talked to blah, blah, blah. And their sales numbers are off the chart. So we'll see. It it may be a blip. It could be just another rung on the success strategy that- uh, I think it's an interesting novelty in the history of these things. I bought it. It got me to buy it. I mean, all I needed was an excuse to put it on a podcast 
night and I did it. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it had my curiosity. Like, I was like, is this just slapdash together or is this still a genuine, a genuinely what, good experience? You know, yeah. what, what this, how it do. All right. So let's, let's, let's dig into some of your guys' stuff. All right. So chowder, do you think you, I think you talked a lot that Arkham Asylum seemed to be the closest to the type of game you wanted for Batman. Do you think we have reached do you think there has been not just a good, but like the good Batman game? Do you think that's been released or is it still waiting to be released? I think it's still waiting to be released. Uh, or at least Arkham Asylum is still the definitive Batman experience, I would say. And I guess as a sidebar to that, do you think that Batman's real future is in the in video games? Or cause, I mean, they've recently flopped pretty hard on the movie front. Do you think it, the, the best way for them to sustain their brand would be thing, through things like video games instead of like movie i i think like uh i think they should lean hard into lego batman to be honest lego batman's pretty fucking great <laughs> lego, and, uh, batman, lego batman lego did movies. sell pretty well so and th those lego like video games that a lot of people have nostalgia for i feel like this is a match made in heaven lego star wars <laughs> is fucking great i loved it yeah like, like the i think batman's future isn't so much in video games in particular but as like a pop culture icon like mm. he he survives by being this iconic thing that by being this thing that everyone knows like by being this sort of universal shared character okay yeah he he's uh, in the zeitgeist like, now and it would be very hard a for bit him to yeah a bit like rock a bit like Robin Hood or King Arthur or uh, something like that. Okay, yeah, I think that's, that's that makes sense. It's definitely in the zeitgeist. People are going to know about it regardless. I mean, even if a kid's never seen a Batman comic book video game or anything like that, they would more or less recognize, like, if they saw it on somebody's t-shirt. Oh, that's yeah, Batman. Which exactly. is what made the Lego Batman character possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, a hodgepodge of all Batman, which still pretty is accurate. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean... And the great thing about Batman is he's super flexible. Yeah, he's dark and brooding, but he can also be kind of cappy and goofy. Like, Batman the Brave and the Bold is really good, but it's also, like, really campy, yeah. Campy and hilarious. The Adam West TV series is a really good comedy. Like, people, I think people don't realize that, like, the Adam West TV show is campy not because it aged poorly, but because it was an intentional comedy that yeah, I mean, was really good at what it did. There are certain like, scenes... Sometimes you just can't get rid of the yeah, bomb. I can't remember. There's yeah. one where, like, I think it's the Penguin or something like that buys, a, like, a, a nuclear submarine at an auction, and then they're going through the, uh, like, the records of this military auction, and they're like, oh, who could have bought this? And then, like, they rearrange some letters, like, ah, oh, it's... It goes from Blumping Anglin or whatever, and it's like, oh, the Penguin! It must be him. <laughs> Just like so yeah. slapsticky. Like but every, the attack every... took place at sea for Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like every every Riddler episode is like always involving Batman and Robin coming to like the most ridiculous conclusions, and they're right. Like <laughs> the a, one of the riddles is what is lives in a tree as a, and is deadly, and Robin like. Just immediately answers a sparrow with a machine gun, and it's and he's right. There was a sparrow with a machine gun, and they had to get out of the way. The sparrow in the, with the machine gun was in a tree, by the way. That's pretty great. <laughs> it was yes, All right. it was amazing. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> fucking a man shark repellent that's all i gotta say um so let's, 
let's talk about your thing, John. So, um, mm-hmm. Heather's was a movie, which I would consider still current media. And it feels like mm-hmm. it's maybe a little bit of a cultural resurgence is due to what I perceive as an older media, which is mm-hmm. uh, a musical. Do you think, so it's kind of maybe. What, what, no, the, the movie predates the musical. What I'm saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the, yeah. it's, it's getting new life through an older medium. Through this musical, which I perceive as an older Oh, yeah, medium. I see what you're saying, yes. So, do yes. you think do you think that, I mean, I, it obviously enhances it, from what you've said. It, it, it plays up the camp, it plays up kind of the funnier bits, it increases the darkness in a way that they probably couldn't have gotten away with in a, in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a movie. Do you think that's like a, do you think Heathers is going to see a real, like, comeback from the musical or do you think this is just like a like a campy fun thing that I people think are doing it, it was a lot of nostalgia fuel for people who already liked okay heathers and then i think for a lot of people who were into musical theater and like we're hearing like pretty good things about heathers the musical it probably got them interested okay. in sort of the story um like having the high school story um that is sort of like a little bit of a palate cleanser from uh, a lot of like i don't know like more saccharine more idealized like versions and ideas of high school is interesting um i think that tonally it has shifted a lot because of the way that these things are viewed after 20 30 years as opposed to it was probably pre-columbine too yes it was indeed pre-columbine it would have definitely been a much darker movie just just in the in the way that the world would have seen it if this was like the day after right um but like looking back on the movie moments that they chose to highlight, like I mean, I love my dead gay son was begging to be made a musical. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, I I think that it was uh, a well thought out, you know, transition, translation, whatever you want to call it. Um, I do think that the story is changed substantially enough as far as like the narrative arc that I wouldn't really like. I don't know. I wouldn't consider them to be talking about the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because there's just so much. Like the takeaway from just seeing the musical seems to be more of like, I would say a more traditional story arc of um, like, don't do all this. Like, don't don't make decisions or to like, don't make choices like that are, you know, based in fear or like. Don't murder. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like is is more of like a don't murder, whereas the other one was more like uh, maybe murder. <laughs> uh, it it was a little uh, it was a little less preachy, I guess, or it was a little bit less like oh no, what have I done? I have to whatever, um, and more like come on, dude, like you can't murder people. <laughs> that's not cool. Hey man, that's not cool. Um, if you're gonna do that, do that it, outside. It's generally frowned upon <laughs> in uh, most states. Yeah, it's a little murder. I don't know i can see why the story is still kind of like successful um i think i understand why they dramatized a lot of the things a little bit more for the musical um but as far as like the medium like the as you said the, like the older medium of the, uh, a musical format yeah. um sort of giving a little bit of new flavor to this movie a little, a little something yeah extra. i think yeah like i like i mentioned earlier i i think it is sort of riding on this sort of resurgence of interest in musical theater and what kinds of stories you can tell with musical theater yeah definitely um so i think that it's doing a good job like hey let's try to ride this wave uh, also a nostalgia wave at the same time so <laughs> I think that I think that that was successful. I think it was sort of like positioned well 
Um, I believe to the end it was still off Broadway and never made it onto Broadway Broadway. Broadway you so mean. it wasn't, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like a, and now we are bringing this into an entirely new audience who has never seen it before. <laughs> yeah. um, Although uh, you would think it would end up on Broadway. Broadway doesn't exactly have the highest standards. I mean, Sister Act, the musical, what is is a thing. You shut your mouth about that. That is a, that is a <laughs> fucking great musical. You don't even know what you're saying. Get up there. Honestly, I don't know because I've never Some seen it. Some off-brand Whoopi Goldberg lookalike just screaming her heart I mean, out. I mean, honestly, maybe it's the greatest thing ever. I've actually never seen <laughs> Sister Act, the musical, but like... Right, and... I, yeah, so I do, I do feel like kind of, um, I don't know, I'm a little bit in general, like, I do wish I, I like do air on the side of, you know what, if something's going to be adapted into another medium, um, and you're telling the same, like, the same kind of story with the same kind of characters, there should be a really compelling reason why, why you're doing that. Otherwise, I'll just be like, oh, this is just so that you can whore more money from mm, people. Or, yeah, like either whore more money or just doing it literally for the shits and gigs, which I mean... Like all, like all the Disney live-action remakes. Yeah, I don't... I have, yeah, they're all just kind of gross action. to me. I have a lot of feelings about that stuff. Um... Yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit cynical about like the intent of staging it. While I think that some of the choices were done thoughtfully, I don't necessarily think that it like super needed to happen, even though I like... I liked it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, I'm kind of being a little bitch here. Like, I'm like, yeah, I enjoyed the product, but, like, come on, guys, tell original stories. Oh, so. mm, hot take. Yeah, um, but, like, it gave us candy store, so it's all worth it. <laughs> hot take on your own yeah. domain. So I like it. So I like it in spite of my bias, is what I'm saying. Right, so I think I can work this question for both you guys. But first, I'll start with Jonavi, because we just got off yours. Do you think that Heather's the musical, do you think... It brought Heather's fans into the musical fold, or do you think it brought musical fans into the Heather's fold? I think that it brought musical fans into the Heather's fold because I think that the number of musical fans is simply bigger than the number of Heather's fans. <laughs> the millions of Heather's fans across the United States. <laughs> Yeah. There are thousands so, of us. I do think that it, increases, it, it, that it increased the awareness of Heather's as the movie. Right. Um, because it, you know, it's it's known as a cult movie uh, still. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I love me a cult movie, though. Yeah. So unless you're like particularly seeking out a cult movie or like one of your friends really told you, oh, my gosh, you have to watch this. Um, you probably weren't going to watch it. But if you see that, oh, man, like this thing had a musical and like, huh, that seems like kind of a dark, funny story. Like I might be interested in that. So I think that it did certainly raise awareness for the original media. But um, if we're talking volume, I think that it is more likely to have brought people who just like musicals and musical theater <laughs> more into the... the fold. Into the like people who like like Heather's or don't like Heather's. That makes sense. All right. Although like yeah. uh, people who enjoy musical theater were probably inclined to enjoy Heather's. Heather's anyways because they tend to like high school teen drama, drama piece, like, like exaggerated teen drama murder. pieces. Yeah. All right. And uh, let's see if I can work theater, this out. Teen murder since. Romeo and Juliet. So Chowder, do you <laughs> think the Batman video games, do you think it brought more like, I don't know, uh, do you think it brought more gamers into the Batman fold or more Batman people into gaming? Do you, like, I guess another way to phrase it, do you think like super hardcore Batman fans went out and bought either a PC that could play it or like an Xbox, it would probably be Xbox 360 at that time to play Arkham Asylum. Yes. I, I think, yeah, it would have compelled like hardcore Batman fans to like, uh, 
get a console, but like uh, comic book fans and video game fans, a lot of crossover kind of right? already overlap. So I, that I, Venn I diagram, the, while not a circle, is probably like an, very, an oval. Yeah, you know, very, yeah, like very Venn. Let's put it that way. Very yeah, Venn. yeah. I, I think the better. Uh, a more interesting thing is how the video games have come to shape the Batman mythos. Cause, cause like, uh, if, if we, cause like now, whenever there's like a fight scene, it's always being compared to Arkham Asylum and very often fight scene try to be like an Arkham Asylum fi- mm. fight. Like if you watched uh, Batman be Superman, a garbage movie. And there was this, uh, scene of Batman, like saving uh Superman's mom. And he's like storming through like a, warehouse full of bad guys and he's like doing all these things that he would do in batman arkham asylum yeah. it's like and it's like yeah the the movie or the comics and movies and stuff uh in created a game that then or created the imagery that you see in the game the game enhanced that imagery and then fed it back to the movies and comics and yeah people stuff. now expected and, his fighting to look a certain way from playing those games and then it kind of reasserted itself visually in the movies. Yeah, it's it's a wild feedback loop, and yeah, uh, yeah no, I think I think that's super interesting. Uh, just how like the idea of Batman evolves because he expands into another medium, and then now that is expected of it. Yeah, oh, nice. Well, typically speaking, this would be around the time, maybe a little bit earlier, that we would have read any like guest questions. Unfortunately. We did not get any guest question. Um, but generally speaking, if you want to have any questions or a comment read on the show, uh, we make posts on Facebook and Twitter uh, where you can comment reply. I think we do those about every week or every other week. Uh, and we'll be sure to talk about it. Uh, I mean, if you want to be heard, all you got to do is speak up, go on any of those platforms or even communicate with us personally. And we would answer your questions or even bring up your comment, maybe discuss it a little bit. Uh, and then we, of course, shout you out for the comment. If you, I mean, whatever you do, whatever you want. I mean, if you want to, I'm not going to like make you do it. But I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, cool people probably would do it. Um... So let's move on to the ratings. Um, first, I want to thank you both for what I think was an exuberant discussion. Aha! Adjectives. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now we can move on to the ratings. Uh, we begin. Let's 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 break it down a little bit. I want you guys to rate this topic on a scale of one to five plot devices or half dead wills. Wait, Will's the one that got got yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will's the prince. Got got. Yeah. So I was gonna say plot devices, but let's just say Will is the plot device in this, and because he's a plot device, he's half dead. So on a scale of one to five half dead Will's spitting up leeches and whatever shit how many half dead wills would you give this uh i would give this honestly i felt the uh well okay if we're talking about like uh the stranger things campaign in and of itself uh it was kind of mediocre i'd give it like two half dead wills and like maybe like a, a voice throw in a few leeches and, and maybe like a voice clip of its mom screaming will softly in the background and and maybe like hopper going well where are you in the background as well you know uh yeah, i feel you uh yeah i i don't know what to add here because i think i've said my piece in the rest of this uh podcast highly disappointed is what yeah. i think i got from it yeah all right johnny how many half dead wills spitting up leeches do you give um i would say you know a solid 
a solid dead will and a half. So like three Ooh. half dead wills. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, I thought yeah. you were giving a 1.5 dead will. Like that's, that's roof. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um. So like th- three out of five, just because I, I think that it was solidly okay. Um, All right. Yeah, Adequate. I think it was solidly okay, um, and I would just be interested to see how its existence, its quality or non-quality, has played into um, people's awareness and excitement for the upcoming season three. All right, ratings lightning round. One out of five um, dungeon masters. How would you guys rate my dungeon mastery? Uh, your dungeon mastery? Yeah, my mastery of dungeons. Oh well, I think your du- mastery of dungeons was like PDs. Like, that's... Wait, what was our rating scale again? I'm sorry. One to five dungeon masters. One to five dungeon masters. Oh, okay. Each well, one more reclusive than the last. Okay, well, you you don't seem that reclusive, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a four. Hey. I'll give you a four. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and only I can't give you a five because like I haven't actually played with you very much. Yeah, that know. makes sense. <laughs> I could be the simple. champagne of dungeon masters, but if you've never had champagne before, who's to know? Yeah, I could just be like, this grape juice is expired. Who's to say? <laughs> I would give you. Thing is, I haven't gotten. We won't. We didn't get to play much because it's true. So I would give you three and a half dungeon masters. So like, just bisect one of those dudes in half down the middle. It's kind of oh, gruesome, man. but. Uh, three and a half, but I reserve the r- right to increase it because I get the feeling that if we did get to play more, <laughs> I I think it would have been really fun, man. I was I was it enjoying myself. I yeah, I, I despite myself um, was starting to have a lot of fun because I was like I was like oh I'm gonna I'm just gonna play it's very straight up. I'm not gonna doodle up anything. I'm not even gonna do any names. And before I knew or like voices and stuff, I was like, before I knew it, I was already doing voices and I was getting into it. Yeah, exactly. The that is the sound things. of good dungeon master that they can't like help. You can't escape your dungeon mastery. They, yeah, I can't they, escape. They can't, I can't escape the dumb talk. voices. <laughs> oh, I don't know, sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think this is the part. Oh, no, I know. I'm sorry. I don't think. I know. This is where we award a gold star student. But I mean, you guys were on. There was a bit of a back behind the scenes uh, talk in the Turks and Caicos about what how this show was progressing. Are we doing gold star students anymore? Uh, I know, but like I, this particular episode, I don't think is. It comes before the change. It comes before. All the change, right. Yeah. That means I have to make a choice, and I hate making choices. Literally Let's flip a coin. Here. We won't know. Mm. So I'm going to award a gold star student, giving a reward to the person who I think had the best chutzpah in this episode. episode. (laughs) Um, And for the gold star, I want it to be a golden... Something good for Dungeons and Dragons. I don't want to be too offensive, but I also want to be truthful. Oh man, so many things. Golden burning hands. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Golden, the golden burning hands. The spell, <laughs> classic spell. I didn't, I didn't expect that to actually be chosen. <laughs> or maybe uh, what's more, what's another classic? We could do Melf's. We could do a golden Melf's acid arrow. Uh, the golden magic missile. That uh, magic missile is the true classic spell. What about the golden? Tri- Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we did fight us. Oh yeah, so golden troglodyte. I okay, like it. Okay, okay, that works. So I've been told troglodyte's an offensive term, but I'm not 100 sure about that. Oh. Um, I have to look into it. So the golden troglodyte will go to hmm, Johnny. I'm giving oh, it to you. Shit. Oh shit. You gave me a little bit higher rep on the dungeon mastery thing, so I gotta be <laughs> selfish. 
<laughs> Sucking up. Oh, wait. One. Not John, because she gave me a better score. Gotcha. Makes sense. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I have been joined by. Hi, I'm Time Wool or Chowder, whichever you prefer. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Time Wool Chowder. And I am Jonavi, and I am also on Twitter at JKIR1. Ooh, nice. And I've been your host, Ryan Mossbarger. You can find me wherever you look for me. I'm in the wind. I'm in the water you drink. Potentially even in the shampoo you put in your hair in the morning or evening. If you if you if you if you're nasty like that. Are you Keenan now? <laughs> Keenan no, stole that from me. <laughs> no, he's just uh, he's just DMing everyone's life now. Like he is oh, okay. the controller of your fate. Just remember, every time there's a frustrating moment in your life where you're just like, "Fuck, something just." Something I've done a million times has gone wrong. It's because there's some somebody like me or just me rolling a dice behind you, and we're this is how the fates happen. Um, but yeah, you can find me um, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, I am uh, I think it's R Ma. What is it? Ryan underscore M O S S B. Um, you can find a bunch of tweets about me accusing people of espionage. Um, I think the next episode will be hosted by one of you guys. Am, am, I, am I correct on that? Um, maybe not. Unsure. Mm, not sure. major schedule kerfuffle. We'll uh, uh, on my part though, so it's okay. We'll just uh, insert insert the correct answer. All right, we'll, we'll ADR it in. Um, but be sure to tune in t- two weeks from now. I believe this one's going to be debuting on the thirty first, so we'll talk about it on the fourteenth, the next episode. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, subscribing, sharing, and everything else. And if you're lucky, we'll talk to you next week. If you're unlucky, you'll never hear from us again. This episode of the Common Geeking Program was hosted by Ryan Mossbarger. He was joined by Timul Chowder Chowdhury and Jonavi Iyer. This episode is sponsored by Latex Nipples, because every time I scroll past that in the edit, I laughed out loud. Uh, The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by me, Colin, featuring original music also by me. Um, We will be back in two weeks with an episode of the Common Briefing Program, hosted by me, all about geek news in June. We have a new podcast called How You Doin', and that's by me and Laura. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. Check that out. Thank you for listening to this. Ryan's gonna pull a Heather's on you. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull a Heather's. I'm gonna. Oh my god, high school sucked. I'm gonna be Christian Slater up in this piece and just turn into Pink Mist. Only if you do it in tights. Uh, that's the only way I'm ever gonna do it. <laughs> Don't have to worry about that. Okay. <laughs> Bye, All friends. Right. Bye, everybody.